Praise the Lord. We're going to do something a little bit different today. We have our paradigm shifts coming up again. Paradigm shift is every other Wednesday. It's the first, no, the second Wednesday and the fourth Wednesday. When is the band practice? Is that right? Second and fourth is our paradigm shift. Thank you. Uh, second and fourth Wednesdays of the month, we're going to be kicking, up after, kicking off after the gala. I think it's uh, September 28th is our first one. I'll verify that for sure. But I'm going to do a paradigm shift meeting with you today. Um, a couple disclaimers. If you don't know what that means, I'll explain it in a minute. Don't worry about it, number one. Number two, if you don't want to contribute, you don't have to. So nobody's under any compulsion to talk or say anything. But uh, we're going to come to the Word of God, and we're going to do that in a way that will change our thinking because that's what the Word of God does. It affects us. It changes us. It's a sharp, double-edged sword that makes a response happen. It's not just nice teachings. And so we're going to look at the Word of God, and we're going to think about something today, a big thing that's happening in our, in our world, because we want the word to change us, and we want to be a people of action, and not just a people who think about things. Good? Everybody okay? All right. So having said that, can we have our second slide, please? Let's pray together. Let's, can you read this with me? Let's read together. Our Heavenly Father, we glorify your name and honor your purposes. Please open our minds to think according to your kingdom and your way. Thank you for supplying all we need and forgive us for anything in our lives that is contrary to you. Use your word to change our hearts that we might serve you to bring glory to Jesus. Amen. Next slide, please. Here's what paradigm shift is. We're going to talk together about what does love lived out look like. Uh, we're going to have a little video here in a minute that will start a, a um, newsworthy thing in the world. And we're going to talk about it a little bit with some big questions. I'm going to take a different stance on this than we're, we're, what we're looking for because we're not trying to debate, to debate a political issue today. That's not our purpose. Um, so we're going to talk about things, but we're not going to try to get political about things. We're going to talk about what is the church's response to some of these things. Does that make sense? Okay, so if you are wearing an undershirt that says Republican or an undershirt that says Independent or an undershirt that says Democrat, you don't need to rip off your outer shirt and have a cause. You know, there's, we're not going to need to do that today. Here are the ground rules. Let's respect others. Let's listen before we talk. Please raise your hand if you want to say something. And I'm the moderator, so I might not affirm you. So you could say the best answer. I mean, it could be like the whole room is like, whoa, that's wisdom. And I might be like, okay. Because we're having a discussion about it, right? And if I just straight affirm you on everything, then the discussion is very one-sided, isn't it? Does that make sense? Okay. So having said that, here's how we develop a biblical worldview, if you can go to the next one. Let's figure out today what is the real discussion taking place as we're looking at this issue. Don't get lost in the big details. There's going to be lots of side discussions. How does this discussion, or what does this discussion reveal about our world? How can the gospel shed light in the darkness is what we're looking for. And what can I say that will be influential for the kingdom? When we're talking about things in, these things in the street, how can I introduce people to Jesus instead of just try to get people to turn to my political affiliation? Okay? So we're, why are we talking about this? A biblical paradigm is a worldview, a way of thinking about things. Do we think through the lens of the Bible or do we think through the lens of C-SPAN or Fox News or CNN or... Wikipedia or whatever. Does that make sense? Then when we talk to other people, that worldview, that lens should become apparent. 
And if all we do is champion one political candidate, that's all we're about, isn't it? Instead of how can we talk to people about Jesus in real world things. Good? Okay. Roy, will you please play our little video? Here's a video for you. It's from Dayton, Ohio. Our heart goes out to the victims' families. We pray for you. And this great crowd represents this great community and letting them know how much we deeply care about them. Do something! We are here tonight. This has been the third one in a week, the second one in a 24-hour stretch. Um, there's nothing being done. There's nothing at all being done. Okay, short little video. What's the context? Anybody know? Mass shootings, specifically in Dayton, Ohio, in the beginning of August, when a gunman... Uh, came in and shot up a bunch of people using an assault-style weapon. It took 32 seconds from the first shot to the last shot with a 24-year-old gunman uh, who had a 100-round magazine who wounded uh, 27 people and killed nine. That's what, that's what took place. Now, uh, the police were heroic. It's a horrible thing. We're not here to debate gun control. Today, Sunday morning, us at New Covenant. Okay? If you're a visitor with us, God bless you. Thank you for coming. We love Jesus and the Bible, and I'm sorry to throw a big heavy thing at you, but I'm, but I'm doing it because this is the real world. We come to church and we sing about great things and we leave, and this is what's on the news. And then you go to work, and this is what people are talking about. That's why we do these paradigm shift meetings on the Wednesdays, is to talk about what does the Bible say, sometimes about the actual political issue, but a lot of times about what is our response and what do we do and how do you... You know, what does that look like? Because we are not all senators sitting in this room. We're not all congresspeople. We're not mayors. We're not a gathering of political entities trying to solve this situation. We are regular citizens, most all of us, here at church to see the Lord and what he's doing, right? So that makes our conversation different. Uh, what I want to talk about today is what, what do we do? How should we respond? What kind of people are we? And I'm talking about everything in life. Because I met somebody the other day who does not know God and was telling me, we were talking about the big storm that happened. This just, I met the guy yesterday and I was talking about Sunday, uh, Friday's big rainstorm. And Friday's big rainstorm came up very quickly, didn't it? Everything got dark and it was like, oh, this isn't going to be a big deal. And then all of a sudden, just torrential rain came down. Did you all experience that? Yeah? My whole neighbor's yard was just a river. You know, going through, and we had water everywhere. Thankfully, no flooding for us, but man, just it just was a lot of water fast, wasn't it? Were you in it? Was anybody in the water? How'd it feel? You're shopping. How'd it feel? Torrential. And it was cold. 
It was cold water. I mean, I I just walking in from my truck to my house through the driveway. I, it was I was soaking wet. So a lot of water. So I was telling this guy a story, and as I'm coming home uh, from here, the church building on Friday, I was p- turning onto Olive Road by the Schnooks that's there at Cheshfield Parkway, and there's a new building that's there. I can't remember the name of it that just got built. Pfizer, the new Pfizer headquarters thing for research is there, giant office building, and there's a bus stop right outside. And so I was turning into Chinooks to get ice cream sandwiches because they're the most wonderful thing ever, and um, which I didn't end up getting because it started raining so hard. And so I decided, ah, oh, all this rain, probably the Lord is sending me a Weight Watchers kind of message, and I'll just <laughs> go home. So I turned around, and I came out, and I was by the Pfizer building, and there was a woman, an old woman standing there with an umbrella just in the midst of the deluge. And I drove past her quickly, just because with traffic, and I was like, oh my gosh, she's, poor thing, she's just getting just soaked. And so I turned around, and I came in, I pulled into the Pfizer thing, and I worked my way up there. Now, I drive a Ford F-250, it's a little rusty, I'm going to be honest. So, you know, there's some weird things about saying like, hey ma'am, would you like to have a ride? Okay, that's a little weird. But it's pouring down rain, and I thought, I want to make sure this lady's okay. Um, And honestly, I thought, if that were my mom or grandma, what would I want other people to do? I thought, well, I'm just going to take a risk. Maybe she'll not want to get in the car. Maybe I can drive her. There was another bus stop not far down the road, about a quarter mile, that was covered. You know, maybe I could just take her there. Maybe she could have dinner at our house. I don't know. Who knows, because it was about dinner time. So I stopped the truck, jumped out of the truck, ran out to her, and immediately the water was cold and the wind was blowing. took my breath away. Just because it was, I was drenched. I mean, it was raining so hard. I was drenched. It was like being on uh, Thunder River at Six Flags. You just drenched immediately. And so that made it even worse because now I'm in front of her like, excuse me, ma'am, you riding the truck? No, not good. And she didn't really speak English. And she was saying, no, no, no. And she goes, bus. And just then the bus came around the corner. I'm standing there like an idiot in the rain. And the bus is right there. Oh, of course. Isn't that the timing that would work? So I did not save the day. I was just soaking wet. And then extra soaking wet trying to walk in the house. So it, that's what happened to me. But I'm telling this story because we're talking about the weather to this young guy uh, who's 19. And we're chatting about it. And he said, yeah, the other day I was on Lee May Ferry with my dad. We're driving along. And uh, all of a sudden we saw something in the road. And all the traffic's going by. And it was an old woman who had been walking with a walker who had bags of groceries from Aldi on the front of her walker. And the weight had tipped it over and she fell and she couldn't get up. She was in the middle of the street. And, she sa- and he said, uh, we blocked traffic, and I jumped out, and I picked her up. And, uh, and she was saying, like, thank you. And she kept trying to pick up the walker. And I said, man, don't worry about it. I got it. And so we picked up the walker. We threw it in the back of the car, put the groceries in there. Uh, we took her. Uh, they took her to a restaurant and bought her a meal, make sure she was okay, because I want to stay with her for a little bit in case she was hurt. And then uh, took her to, to her house, which was about a mile away. And so he said, uh, he said, man, she had no business walking. I can't believe nobody stopped for her. Everybody just kept going by. He goes, that's not right. I said, you're, I said, you're absolutely right. That isn't right. And here's the reality. We live in a world where everybody goes by all the time. And things like this happen in the news all the time. What do we say about it? What do we do? The reality for us is there's more of a chance of helping somebody at a bus stop than needing to do a big political thing, right? 
but the heart attitude is the same in that if we don't open our mouths or do anything or say anything, how will the world know what the Lord's stance is on things? And the proclivity for most people, myself included, is we pass by because we assume somebody else will do it. There's going to be another, somebody else will stop. Or a policeman. There's got to be a policeman back there. They'll stop. Then it's safer in the traffic. They've got the lights. Everybody's good. They can take care of it. And so we justify for ourselves. We don't have to stop because somebody else will. Here's what Matthew 22 says. If you can pull up the slide, please. Roy. It's, this is Jesus speaking. And when one of the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Remember, he's asking Jesus this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depends all the law and the prophets. And then, which is not in our little passage here, the Pharisees are stunned by his answer. Stunned by the way he talks and realize they can't trap him in things. And they start plotting eventually to take him to the cross. But this is what Jesus says. This is why our motto at the church is love Jesus, love people. Because this is the, we usually call it the royal commandment. This is how we interact with the Lord. He told us, love him first, completely, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Here's the problem. We're really, really good at thinking about it. We're not always really good at doing it. So here's my question for you today. Next slide, please. How does this work out practically? We just saw that video. Do something. Do something. I'm telling you probably that means somebody else needs to do something for most of the crowd because they're still not out chanting today. That was August the 9th when that, that was taken. So we say do something for one day, but we mean somebody else do it. Who, who's responsible? I'm talking about shooting stuff, bad things in the world, things that we see, a woman falling in the street. Who, who's responsible? What do you think? Should it be the policeman? Is it us? What is it? Everyone. Why do you think? A neighbor of God? What, is, what does that mean to be a neighbor of God? Remember, I'm not supposed to affirm, right? <laughs> it's a good answer, but. Yeah, doing to others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Randy said, do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. So you're saying we have to try. We're responsible. Does everybody agree with that or disagree? Anybody else? Yeah, true. True. So in doing things, we can help people experience the love of God. I totally agree. Anybody else think any other, any other thoughts on that? 
True. It's important. Yeah. So who's responsible? Who's responsible for a mass shooting? The shooter. Is responsible. Sure, I'd agree with that. Yeah. There's a. That's good. Yeah, I think that's wise. Do you I think? That's a good point. Do you think that's a fair question to ask who's responsible? No. Kind of. It's kind of fair. It's a little tricky, right? Here's why. I was traveling recently, and somebody said, hey, where are you from? In an airport. And I said, oh, I'm from St. Louis. And the first thing they said was, murder, cap murder capital of the U.S. <laughs> you know, we had a vigil last week for, 20, for 12 children who have been slain in shootings in St. Louis. That's more than this. We live in the murder capital of the United States. And the first thing I said was, well, that's Illinois, really, because I want to push it off. But here's the problem. Who's responsible? Because here's what I'm going to tell you today, and I'm telling you this from the Lord. You are on the front lines. You are on the front lines. Sometimes we think Africa and the pictures we see or persecution in Pakistan or North Korean Christians, like they're on the front lines, man, for the faith. You are on the front lines. We live in the murder capital of the United States. We're, it's, it's here. And that question of who is responsible is a big question. And the murderers are responsible, yes, true. But do, that's a sticky question. And the reason I put it on here is because 99% of the time you talk about these kind of things, that's the question everybody wants to come up with. The NRA is responsible. The Republicans are responsible. Trump is responsible. Some president from long ago is responsible. The guns are responsible. The ammo is responsible. The hatred is responsible. And you get all this stuff, and you never, like Rex said, get to the root of the issue. Because when you start trying to go down those roads, there's too much subjective stuff everywhere. Does that make sense? So that leads us to this question then. If we live in a place where maybe, praise God, we haven't had something exactly like this, 
but we do live in the murder capital of the United States here in St. Louis. What are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? That's good. Very good. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. 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 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I watched a, um, I'll come to you, Greg, next. I watched a, some of the responses to that video I played, and you can look it up on YouTube or whatever. But one of the responses, one of the early ones right away, was somebody responded, it looks like Hunger Games. If you're familiar with that, those books and movies, it looks like Hunger Games, which was a, a movie about political upheaval against the government for tyranny and that kind of thing. And um, it struck me all of a sudden. You know, we have young people. Our media, a lot of people complain about millennials. Millennials are lazy, millennials are whatever, right? Um, you know, millennials are the ones with kids in elementary school now. They're not, it's, 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 they're already doing it. It's, they're, they're already becoming managers now. And they're starting to complain about some of the kids coming up. 
It's we've already shifted from that. But it struck me that there is a group of people who are raised more on Hunger Games than they were on truth. And the references for things come back to those kind of popular ideas which are poisoning people, I'm sorry to say it, into what they think truth really is. Does that make sense? Okay. It's, um, it's a wild world. Greg. I'm not supposed to affirm you, but yeah. <laughs> what, let me ask you a question real quick. It's 11.57, so you have to come to paradigm shifts because this, you see how quickly it goes. Hold on. Let me wrap up a couple things. We'll have a little bit more here. But what is God's solution to sin? Jesus, right? Now, think about that for a minute. We all know that Sunday school answer, right? God's solution to the problem of sin, brokenness, violence, all that stuff was Jesus, Right? He is the solution. What do you think God's solution is today? It doesn't change. It's still him. 
right? But notice, God's solution was to send a person, fully God, fully man. He himself would come as a man. His solution now is still to send people. That's how God does things. That's why it's so messy. It's because God sends imperfect people. That's always his solution. Always his solution. And it's the church's solution. There's no amount of money that will fix it. There's no amount of money that's going to fix Africa and all the stuff you saw. It just, there isn't. But what will fix it? Godly people that God puts in place that he raises up who live according to the gospel, who look first to Christ, that's, that's it. What's going to change St. Louis from being the murder capital? It's the Lord changing people's hearts, stopping people from doing stuff. How does that happen? It happens through us, which is what we've been saying. It happens through his people, not just our church. We don't have all the truth. But God's people going forth and demonstrating his glory because God's solution, his answer is his people. And he has one real means of doing that which is called discipleship. That's what Jesus said. He said, go and make disciples. And there's been a problem, I'm going to say in the church, that for a long time it was, hit the Bible, you know, all that kind of stuff. You're going straight to hell kind of thing. So what did the church do in response to try to win people? God is love. He, received, he welcomes you as you are. And that's become so wishy-washy now that people don't even think hell is real. There's no consequence for sin. How could God judge me? If he loves me, I can do whatever I want. And it's gone far the other way. If you're going to be a herald of Jesus Christ, which you already are, he's already made you that, you've got to give people the whole gospel, all of Christ. The king, the judge, the ruler, there is a king upon the throne in his kingdom which overwhelmingly rules us. His name is Jesus Christ. And he is ruling and reigning even over these things, even if it doesn't feel like it sometimes. And sending imperfect people who are going to do something about it. And again, I'm not talking about gun control. If you leave here and you're like, yeah, New Covenant's against assault rifles. That's not what I'm saying, just to be really clear. Not saying that. I'm saying we need Jesus Christ. And Jesus' answer is not a weapon. You're the weapon. And your weapons are not against people, flesh and blood, to hurt them. It's the gospel to spiritually change people, which changes our world. That's what... God is doing. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit if you can go away to the next one. I'm going to leave you with these questions. There's already 12. <clears throat> what can you do for the kingdom today? What is the kingdom of God? It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom. It's not eating or drinking. So stop thinking about lunch. Lunch will come. I'm joking. It's righteousness, peace, and joy. Did you know that the Bible says the foundation of his throne is justice. It's justice. And so what can you do for the kingdom today? Here's what you can do. Look for any opportunity to represent Jesus. Any opportunity. It might look like going to Breadco after this, standing in line and not throwing a big fit when it takes forever. And you're frustrated because they're taking too long. And the people behind you are complaining and cussing out the workers. And you say, hey, they're trying Let's not have that language. And you're representing the kingdom. And then when the opportunity presents itself, you say, you know, we just came from church. I want to tell you, the Lord Jesus Christ, he is, he is about people and restoring people. So let's not tear people down with our words. They will cuss you out. But at least we're telling the truth in a little miniature thing, right? That's something we can actually do today. Are we going to change gun control stuff today? No. 
maybe we need to work on some of those things. I don't know. That's another discussion. But we can actually do that today. We can actually look for an opportunity to show what God is about. And it is his love. It is service. It's also telling the truth. Good? How can you represent Jesus' rule today? The first place you can do that is your own attitude, your own children. If you haven't had a dinner with your kids around the table for years, choose today. Choose today. Sit them down and say, I want to tell you about Jesus and what he did in my life. It's a great place to start. If you know that you have a coworker or somebody who has a problem with you, not even you have a problem with them, they have a problem with you, leave your offering at the altar. Go to them and say, hey, I'm calling you because I know you've been upset with me and I want to tell you, I, I don't even know what it's about, but I can tell everything's really weird. What's up? Let's make it right. I'm sorry if I offended you. What's going on? That, it will change your workplace. Won't it? Won't it? If you haven't talked to your father in five years because you're angry with something he did, today's the day. Call, Dad, forgive me. I want, I want to walk in righteousness. If you haven't called your mother in a week, then I can't help you because you're beyond salvation. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But let's see restoration. Let's, let's walk it out. Let's trust God and his word more than we trust our own feelings. Because the Bible says that the greatest commandments are loving the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And if we can't even do that in our own families, what are we doing? Right? We need Jesus. How do we respond? Do something today. How do we know that's the truth? Next slide, please. Because Jesus gave up his life for us. What does real love really look like? It looks like self-sacrifice. It looks like taking my attitude and my anger and my feeling like I've been wronged and laying it at the cross and saying, I'm sorry. How can it be that simple? It can be that simple because the Lord made the way for us. If he forgave us, I can forgive others. If he died for us, I can take my attitude and, and I can sacrifice it. If he did that for us, then I can take a little extra gas to help somebody who's stuck on the side of the road. Whatever. Now, let me also throw in a caveat. you got to be wise. If you weigh 110 pounds soaking wet and there's a 400-pound dude on the side of the road trying to fix his big truck and his biker jacket, call your husband. Don't, you know, call the police, call AAA. Let's be wise about what we do. But at the same time, what can we do? Let's do something. Um, whenever we pass an accident on the highway and everybody slows down, especially if it's on the other side of the, like of the divide, um, usually there's emergency workers there. It's unwise for you to jump out and get in the way, unless you are the best ER doctor around. Just let it. Just you can't help, right? So just do what the police say and keep going. But every time I see that with my children. I say, hey, guys, there's an accident up here. We're not going to look at it. And God, we're, we're driving right now. Let's pray that the Lord will protect all the people there. And so I'm trying to train my kids. Like, let's, let's do something. Let's do something to show what God's about. Can we do that? Here's tonight's paradigm shift. From somebody else will do something. Somebody else will do something. To I will do something for Christ. I'm going to do something for him. That is really simple, isn't it? But it's profound when we actually have to do it. Because I'm telling you, right now, you're like, I'm going to call that person. Then you pick up the phone. You're like, nope. Why is that? Because we all are hit with this temptation of, do you really believe? Do you really believe that God's power is bigger than your grudge? Do you really believe 
that he can heal somebody? Do you really believe that this gospel is enough? Do you really believe that he can change the world by Christ who died and rose? Do you really believe that? The answer is we really believe it. And we got to live it out. Amen? We serve a great God. A great God. I want you to think about this. What would happen? What would happen if God saved all of your neighbors around your house radically tonight? So let's say you have three or four houses around you, right? Three, four families. Maybe they don't know God. Let's just assume they don't know the Lord. What if tonight an angel shows up and is like, you're getting saved. Go over to the Bleckers. Go over to the Lemons. Go over to the Shafts. Go see Michael Barron. What if he says that? What if that happens tonight? And the Lord actually answers our prayers. Lord, you're faithful. You're faithful. We're singing it. Lord, you're faithful. And he goes, yeah, I am faithful. Go. What will happen? Are we ready for that? Let's do something. Because what if God does it? He could do it. Wouldn't that be cool? That would be cool. We need to be ready. We're going to do something for you, Lord. And here's the thing. I have a feeling if we turn our hearts to him, if we say, Lord, forgive me for my apathy, forgive me for walking, looking at my cell phone so intently that I didn't even see where I was going. If we do that, if we turn to him, if we say, Lord, I want to do something for you, you know, if you ask him for bread, he won't give you a stone. What will happen this week if we say that? Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you are so kind to us. Thank you for your gospel. Thank you for Jesus. Lord, we pray for all those victims in Dayton, Ohio, and their families, Lord. Lord, all those people still hurt. The violence that we have experienced here in St. Louis. Mass shootings in Texas, Lord. Father, we need you, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would comfort those families, God, when there is no, there is no answer. It's just wrong. It shouldn't be that way. Lord, please comfort them. Father, I pray that your justice would ring true in this nation. Lord, I pray that you would help us be a, to be a people who see you and see how you're moving forward and that we would be quick to act. We'd be quick to hear from you. Lord, even the whisper of your intention, God, we'd see where you're positioning us, Lord, and as agents of your kingdom restoration, we would move forward with power and passion because we trust you more than we trust our reputations. Lord, help us, God. Help us to be a people who do something for you. Lord, I pray that today, this week, Lord, that we would bring glory to your name by all the ways that we can demonstrate you. Father, help us. Help us to bring glory to Jesus because you are worthy, Lord, we pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be blessed this week and know that God will never leave you and he will never forsake you and he has enabled you to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Be blessed. Have a great week. Thanks, everybody.